It's Thursday, July 11th. Welcome to Mark Fullery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, the one and only Bill Mann. Thanks for being here. How are you, Chris? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We've got some earnings. We do, sort of. Well, we have we have actual <laughs> we have, earnings. We have results. And we have earnings in air quotes. And um, we have a pretty interesting story uh, from Amazon, uh, and we'll get to that. Let's start with Delta Airlines. Record revenue in the second quarter for Delta. The stock is not up big today, although year to date it's up about twenty percent and it's close to an all time high. This this really does seem like what we have seen over the last couple of years from Delta Airlines. Yeah, Tim Byers from the from the Discovery Services who works with me has been a, a, a tremendous bull on uh, Delta Airlines, and I have to say, he's been exactly right about this for 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 some time. These are great results. They're they're. Uh, Profits are up about 30% over last year. Uh, record revenues of $12.5 billion uh, per share profits of $2.35 for the quarter. They raised their estimates for the year. But the interesting thing to me about Delta and these results is that they come at a time of some real upheaval and some real problems at, you know, for their uh, competitor airlines. We'll get to the stock in a second, but um, it it does seem like you know if you just back out from any individual airline, the number one story in this industry is the Boeing seven thirty seven Max. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, for now at least, it doesn't appear to be harming Delta's results. No, because they don't have it in their fleet. So, uh, so the Delta CEO came out and said, "Well, you know, it's kind of a marginal benefit to us." Wait a minute, because American Airlines just came out, which has which has a tremendous you know fleet of 737s that are parked on a tarmac somewhere, uh, said that it's going to cost them 185 million dollars in gross profits in pre-tax income, I should say, for the quarter. So Southwest has got has got them united to some extent. Was was uh, was ramping up the uh, 737 Max. Delta wasn't so that pressure has to end up someplace else. This is thousands of flights that are that are being canceled. So, yeah, I, I, marginal to me seems to be uh, you know a little bit of hey I, we're we're trying to take credit for stuff that's a little bit lucky. I was just going to say. I mean, let's. Uh... You know Ed Baskin, the CEO at Delta Airlines, um, who's done a tremendous job. Done like, a tremendous I've got job. No, no, I've got no beef with with the job that he's done. Yeah, it, and you know it is one of those things where they, you know, they got to say something about it. So yeah, he he. Look, we've we've seen plenty of CEOs and plenty of other industries do far more self inflicted damage. Yeah. you know, answering questions or or weighing in on a given topic. So we'll we'll give Ed a. Pass I would on this love one. a little tongue in cheek like. Scoreboard, or yes, we were very smart. We knew. Yeah, we. Knew. Yeah, <laughs> of course we knew. Like, really, you knew the whole time. Um, in terms of Delta, the stock, it's within a buck of an all-time high. Do you look at this stock? Put aside how well the company's been performing, just on the merits of the stock, on the valuation, is it expensive to you? Uh, no, but the big caveat is. You got to tell me what jet fuel prices are going to do because they've 
fuel prices have come up a little bit, but Delta has tremendous hedges in place. So they've got you know for years now they're they're going to have four you know they're going to have forward rates that are going to be pretty good for them. So I really don't think it's expensive here. The airline Delta itself has done a tremendous job of training up its employees. Delta has Delta seems to be in a different place reputation wise than its you know than many of its uh, competitors at this point. It is a preferred airline for a lot of people and I you know I never thought that I'd actually even say that about most US airlines but Delta has really done a great job. And so no, I don't think that it's um, I don't think that it's expensive. Here's something that's definitely not expensive. Bed Bath and Beyond uh, shares are down today and hitting a new 52-week low. Uh, first quarter revenue for Bed Bath and Beyond was weak. They lowered guidance. Uh, this <laughs> here's the thing. You I don't mean, want to be mean. <laughs> I don't want to be mean. And I, but I, I, you know, in thinking about when we've talked about this company, uh, it's probably a slight overstatement to say that I have defended this company. But what I have done in the past is said. No, you're in the tank. There, Come on. There's an opportunity there. They yeah. have a, there. There is some level of brand equity. There is an mm-hmm. opportunity, uh, you know, with the right management. There's a way to execute this business because they sell things that people need for their homes. And if you're looking to invest in housing writ large, and you don't want to buy Toll Brothers or yeah. you know Dr. Horton, uh, uh, you know this is one way to play that. The stuff that goes in the house. I look at this latest quarter and the stock, which just less than five years ago was at eighty dollars a share, and today it's at ten. Ten and spot. Yeah. I really think they are, they are so much closer to the end. Yeah, yeah. The question is whether it's you know Bed Bath and Beyond Repair, right? Like that's really what it comes down to. Now you and I both have college age children, you know, children, so we have both seen certainly. Where you go when you went to want to outfit someone's new house? You're getting your waffle iron, you're getting your towels, you're getting them from Bed Bath and Beyond. So yes, there is absolutely an opportunity there. I don't know what to extrapolate from what's happened with their most recent earnings. And by the way, the comparable sales were down six point six percent. So so on a same store basis, it's a disaster. But Activist investors have been in there. The the old CEO left in May. They've come in. They've got a turnaround plan. I think it's a little early to say the turnaround's not working. They haven't had time to to put things into place. But it just, I mean, you know, it feels to me like we're talking about our grandfather's retail establishment at this point. And it does seem, and that's a it's a good reminder about the activists and and giving them some time. I do think though that three months from now. If we see another quarter like this, it better be accompanied by something to give investors some modicum of hope. Yeah. Something that says, here's our plan, here's where we're cutting, here's where we're going to invest, because right now I'm not seeing any of that. Right. They're maintaining their store count. They're holding on to Cost Plus, which is another brand that they own. Uh, they bought a couple years ago. Uh, which they bought as an incredibly impaired brand. So they do have options. I mean, they could they could strip down their their store count. Uh, there are certainly inventory you know inventory changes that they can make, but they really 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 have to do something. And I and and I think you're right. Three months from now, the plan. I don't know that they need to show better earnings three months from now, but the plan better be defined. 
This morning, Amazon announced plans to spend $700 million to retrain a third of its workforce in the United States, somewhere in the neighborhood of 100,000 employees. Yeah. Uh, one of the examples that they used was hourly workers in fulfillment centers, you know, offering retraining to move into IT support roles, that sort of thing. This is a big plan, but I think it speaks to a number of things, including just how tight the labor market is right now. Yeah, this was for me. I don't know how you reacted to it, but when I when I saw this, this was a wait what story because the thing that we believe to be true about Amazon, I think the thing that is that is almost legend about Amazon is that it is a fully efficient uh, fulfillment. Center now that they are really, really good at 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 uh, going down to the penny in terms of costs of getting things out the door. So for them to come out and say we're going to spend seven hundred million dollars because we have a hundred thousand employees who may be rendered irrelevant or or rendered obsolete in the next five years, that's an amazing story to me, and, and it. I I'm not sure. I think it's probably good for Amazon. It's you're right. It's a sign of how tight the labor market is and how scary it pro, it, it it is bound to be for the lesser skilled uh, segment of uh, of of uh, the American workforce. It's got to be terrifying to Amazon's to Amazon's competitors, though. Oh wait, they're gonna they're <laughs> they're gonna be even more efficient. Right, right. Like we already can't compete with them because one hundred, you know, one hundred percent of their revenues go reinvested back into the business at at a zero cost. But now they're going to be more efficient. That's great. Well, and the mentality reminded me a little bit of something you and I have talked about for years in relation to Costco and longtime CEO Jim Sinegal's approach to pay his employees. Significantly more on yeah. an hourly basis, in part because he he looked at it not just through the lens of no, this is I think this is the right thing to do, but also from an efficiency standpoint, it's going to be better for our business if we can significantly reduce the turnover. And Senegal was always very proud of the fact that Costco, relative to other major retailers, had much lower turnover in the employees. And I, you know, that that's a little bit of what I took from this story today. Think, was you know, and couple that with the tight labor market, and it's like, you know what, it's going to be money better spent and more goodwill generated if we offer this to existing employees and we keep them in-house rather than go out and spend even more money to try and hire a whole new workforce. I think that's totally right, because because there are plenty of IT workers out there. I mean, not, not that 100,000 people at Amazon are going into IT, but they are most certainly. The reason that this is happening is that Amazon is recognizing just how quickly that technology is changing jobs. It is probably certainly cheaper for Amazon just to say, hey, we're going to hire people just out of school, just out of high school, just out of college, who who we can just train up, as opposed to taking their existing workforce and saying, we are going to teach you how to how you know how to respond to a new technological reality. I so put that way, I think this is really like this is great. But I was just surprised to see it from Amazon because 
you know, it's like the old Chili Palmer line, like, you know, does the pressure get to you? He goes, no, I'm the one applying the pressure, right? <laughs> like, Amazon's the one applying the technology. So, for them to come back and say, this is actually impacting our workforce as well, to me, was was pretty remarkable. Anyway, this Wall Street Journal has a story on it, and I highly recommend it. That's a nice pull with Chili Palmer. Thank you. Get shorty. Good movie. <laughs> um, uh, one programming note, Motley Fool Money this weekend. Our guest is Carl Quintanilla from CNBC. CNBC has a new documentary coming Monday night on the e-cigarette industry. I watched uh, a screener of it, and mm. it's... The surprisingly tall Carl Quintanilla. Sneaky tall. Sneaky tall, yeah. Um, uh, e-cigarette industry. Eye-opening. It is yeah. an, it is an, among other things, it is an eye-opening documentary. Uh, Want to give a quick shout out to a longtime listener Justin Russell. Um, you know, you can always email us marketfoolery at fool com. Justin Russell went old school with the mail, sent a package and a note uh, that said, "My wife and I went to Spain for a wedding, and I figured I'd do some boots on the ground research along the way. I love it when I saw." Hum- <laughs> Haman-flavored Pringles. It seemed I would be remiss if I didn't get some for you. Keep up the good work. And so this, uh, the Spanish word for ham. Uh, yeah. we, ha- we have not opened these. We'll we'll, we'll crack them open once uh, we're done. Taking I am pro Pringles and pro ham. Yes, but wait, there's more. There's more because yeah. he sent on a comparison basis um, a small vacuum-sealed package of ham from mm. Spain. So uh, Spain. Good at ham. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, I've not been to Spain, but I hear that about Spain. It's like, there's a museum of ham. Is there? No, there's not. There is in Madrid. Really? Yeah, Museo del Jamón. And all the Spanish-speaking people right now just went, oh my God, your accent is terrible. I know. I know. But but the museum makes up for it. The museum makes up for it. Still, good information. Bill Mann, thanks for being here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fuller. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 